Uh, if you got a Bible with you this morning, uh, we're going to be in 1 John primarily. You can follow on there. You can follow on, uh, on the screen. And um, just, uh, just so you know, um, <laughs> a, a couple of things um, that are really important to know is that um, next week I'm going to teach a message on worship. And so uh, I do that every now and then. And so when, we teach, when I teach on worship, we, I te- we teach first and then we sing after. So next week, you know, if you're one of those people who kind of gets here and goes, ah, oh, the music's kind of loud. I'm not so sure I want to be in there the last, next first couple of minutes or something. You need to get here or you'll miss, okay? Because, I mean, we're just going to jump. We're going to do one song next week, and then I'm going to start teaching. And so we're going and we'll have some time for worship at the end. So you've been warned. So you walk in here next week, and it's the middle of the message. You go, what is he doing? Like, well, I told you. All right? So uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, I, I love orphans. And I, I, I love orphans. I have a huge heart for orphans. Almost everybody I know, uh, as a matter of fact, is an orphan. And if I was really going to tell you the truth, all of us were orphans at one point. Uh, most of us in this room, most of us who are online uh, and you're joining us again, most, most people in LaGrange, uh, you are no longer orphans, but you've been adopted. Uh, you've been adopted by your heavenly father. And so, uh, so those things have changed. And so you are a son of God or a daughter of God. And so that's who you are because we've, we've been adopted. And, and I, I tell you that to tell you this, that who we are matters more than what we do. Who we are matters more than what we do. It, it, is, it is so important that we have a grasp on, on who we are because some of us, listen, we're, some of, there are people in this, in this room or you're watching online and you know what the deal is? is it, you struggle with anxiety. And I mean, and it's an all the time thing with you. Uh, you know, I, I've been struck in the last, I don't know, three or four weeks by how many people that I've talked to that are 20 to 25 years old to say, you know what, I, I've got to quit drinking coffee. <laughs> It, it, it ramps my anxiety up too much. Uh, and, you know, and they're sort of just stepping into adulting and adulting is wearing them out. And, you know, and I, I talk to people who are in their, in their 30s and 40s and 50s and they are so anxious and so worried because they're thinking, well, what, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, I, you know, th- this is going to sound like an oversimplification but part of the reason that we get so anxious about things is so we're so worried about, are we going to be able to do what we're supposed to do? Are we going to be able to meet other people's expectations? How are we going to be in other people's eyes? And it's because we are so concerned about what we do that we've forgotten who we are. And as daughters and sons of our Heavenly Father, we ought to know that we are loved no matter what. Uh, God, God, God loved us first. In 1 John 4, 19, he says this. He says, he says, we love because he first loved us. Now, a couple of years ago when I was in high school, there was, I, 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 there was this girl. I mean, she was, mm, I mean, she was really good looking. And so we, we, we went out to this party. Right, and I met her somewhere. It was, you know, I, I used to, when I was in high school, I sold Christian chicken at Chick-fil-A. And so I worked at Chick-fil-A. I got off work on, uh, on a Friday night she, and she worked at a pizza place and she got off work. We met somewhere after we both got off work. We went to this party, hung out for a little while and come back. And, and you know, I, I thought she was really good looking. 
That's all I really cared about, right? And, and we had a good time. It was kind of fun. But I take her back to her car where we'd met, and she gets out of her car, and, and she walks over to her car, and then she, she looks at me, and she says, she mouths the words, I love you. I'm like, oh, God, this is not good. This is not a good thing, right? And, and so, and I just stared at her. And so she did it again. She said, those words, she said, I love you. And I, and I didn't even roll down my window. And, and, and so she came around her car and she said it again. And I still didn't roll down my window. And I'm like, girl, give it up. Leave it alone. That's not working for you. And so she gives me the universal sign for roll down the window, you know. So, you know, like roll down the window. I was like, what? She said, I was talking to you. I was like, I'm sorry, I gotta go. I'm late, I got curfew. She said, no, I, gotta, I was trying to tell you something important. She said, I, you, you, you should know this. I said, what are you talking about? And I said, she said, did you not understand what I said? I said, I don't read lips. <laughs> and, and, and so she said, I was trying to tell you that I love you. And I said, huh, <laughs> I gotta go. Right? And, and, and so she was trying to say that, you know, that she really cared about me. I didn't really care about her. And, and, and sometimes when we start thinking about, we start thinking about love, we think it's, that's all it is. It's a words that we just throw around. It's something that we say to somebody uh, when you're trying to begin a relationship with them or pull them into a relationship or uh, you're trying to get one thing or another going on with them. And it, it, but there, there are so much more to it than that. It's, it's really so much uh, more to it than that because we've got to understand that no matter who we are before anything else that we were loved. Uh, but you know, but before you were a rapper or a cowboy or uh, a rocker uh, or a redneck or a hip hopper or a Republican or a Democrat uh, or uh, Canadian or white or African American or Hispanic or Asian, uh, that that first that that God loved you and there's nothing that you can do uh, to change that. So I, I want to show you just real quickly in a very short amount of time five ways that God loves us. So uh, uh, the first thing, God loves us first. This is Psalm 139, 15 says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. So before you were even born, God loved you and, and intricately put you together. The way that you are is because that's the way he wanted you to be. And, and Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God always makes the first move. God, God, God always, every single time, makes the first move and we always respond. He initiates and we respond. If God did not initiate love, we could not reciprocate love. You know, years ago, Lori and I had, had babies. And you know, and, and I can remember the birth of every single one of our children. And I remember sitting there and holding this little child that I had never seen before. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. There's this moment and you go from, ah, what's this baby gonna look like? To whoo, it's holding that baby in your arms. You're like, I would do anything for this child. And, and so, and, and that child at that point cannot reciprocate love. 
But what happens is that you just pour your love into that child. And, and of course, because you love them, but also because you want them to learn to reciprocate love. You want them to learn to love you and to love other people. Uh, and that's what happens. We reciprocate the love that God shows us. Um, God, as a matter of fact, I would say God initiates anything good uh, that happens to us. Uh, in, in James 1.17, uh, it, says, it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so every good thing, uh, every good gift comes from our heavenly Father, uh, every single one. And, and some of you, maybe there's, I don't know, maybe two or three, maybe a whole bunch more people uh, in this room that maybe you get a little interested in astronomy and things in space and all that. But, but do you realize that, that the sun at the center of our solar system is the, the, the source for all the heat and energy in our world. And if the sun did not exist, the heat and energy in our world, everything would cease to exist pretty quickly. As a matter of fact, if the sun was extinguished in eight minutes, life on earth would cease to exist. It wouldn't take very long. Every good thing that happens on this planet is because of the love of God, whether it happens in business or something that happens in that government does, whether the Red Cross gets involved in something, whether kindness is shown to strangers, every good thing that happens is because of the love of God. And so God loves us first. He says, I'm going to prove it to you, show you that how much I love you. Uh, and secondly, is God loves us extravagantly. God loves us extravagantly. Number two, um, 1 John 3, 1 says this, uh, he says, see, and that's and, and the word there ordinarily is, transfer, is translated, one of my favorite words, behold, is what it's ordinarily transfer, translated. It says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Now, you, now you may have a translation that says that the love of God is lavished upon us. Uh, is, is poured out. Uh, and the, the, the word picture there is, is taking buckets and pouring it out. Uh, is an extreme amount. And so the, uh, the, uh, John is writing here and talking about that, that God loves us with this incredible, extravagant, exuberant kind of love that is more than we could ever really begin to grab a hold of uh, because of, uh, of the way that he loves us. Have you ever flown somewhere first class? Has that ever happened to you? Because you know when you fly somewhere, there's first class and there's no class. That's sort of the way it works, right? And, you know, a few years ago, uh, I was flying out of Atlanta and the flight got all messed up and I ended up in Newark, which is the worst place on the planet. Um, but I end up, end up in Newark and so they route me into another airline and so I end up flying first class to Portugal. And I was like, man, this, is how the other half lives, right? Because I mean, I get in there and if you've never done, done first class on a transatlantic flight, uh, you know, you get basically a room. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I get this bed that turns into, uh, you know, you pinnacle buttons and it, you know, becomes a, a recliner, hit another couple of buttons and it becomes a bed. I've got my own TV, I've got my own little food bar there. And you know, and the food you get in first class, it's, it's almost edible. Uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, I, I flew somewhere last week and, you know, and it's, and I'm like, Hey, how many bags of pretzels do you want to give me? Uh, they're not that delicious. You can keep them. Uh, but you know, it, it's just, it's lavish. 
And, and, and God says, I've got so much for you. And, and see, and when I start talking about how God lavishes his love on us, there are some of us that begin to sit there and go, well, I don't think so, Arthur. I don't think that he lavishes, because listen, I had a bad week. Uh, things didn't go so well for me. That, you know, look, because when something bad happens to me, I'm not so sure that God wants to, uh, wants to lavish his love on me so much. You know, your, your parent dies or uh, you're, you're, you're trying to get into college and you're starting to get those admission letters for next fall and you're not getting the letters that you hoped you would get. Uh, you, that school you really want to get into, they say, well, we'll put you on a standby list. And you're like, well, you know, what's up with that? Or, um, you know, or uh, you're thinking that your marriage is going to end up in divorce and, and, and we start going, well, why do all these bad things happen to me? Why, 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 does, why, why does all that happen to, uh, to me? Um, and have you ever stopped for a moment and thought, not why do bad things happen to me, but why do any good things happen to me? Because we're not owed it. It's not what we deserve. We, we've, we, we've turned, so many times we turn our back on God and yet he continues to, to be generous and kind uh, with his love toward us. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's not about uh, why, it's about, it's about who. Um, see, God loves you because he's God, not because of what you have or haven't done. And, you know, you don't say, well, why did this happen? You say, well, who am I going to trust? And most of us trust ourselves when we really should be saying, no, here's what I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to trust God. But, you know, like a dog chases a cat and like water runs downhill, like gravity goes in just one direction, God cannot do anything other than love us extravagantly. Um, number three, God loves us sacrificially. First uh, John three sixteen it says, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And this word know is in the Greek is the word gnosko, which means to learn to know. So it's not just a, it happens, but he says, look, when you look at this, you gnosko, you learn to know, you begin to understand that when he laid down his life for you, that yes, he, he's not just saying it, he's proving it. He's, he's demonstrating his, his love to us. And um, God, God gave it, get all to prove his love for us. You know, real love is willing to give something up for the object of the love. Um, for most of us, the minute there's no reciprocation in love, we walk away. He's right. look, I love somebody, but they don't love me. Okay, I'm done. I'm walking away from it. That girl I told you about when I was in high school a couple years ago, who came up to one car window and said, hey, I love you. Well, she was real concerned about it. She, was, she really felt like she loved me and I, I did not love her. And so after a couple of weeks, what happened? And so she just kind of disappeared because, she, you know, she said she loved me, but she really didn't because she said, well, I'm just going to move along and find somebody else because I didn't reciprocate her love. And that's typically what we do. But God says, I love you no matter what. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to prove I love you. A lot of times we, we love somebody and they don't love us back and we, we sort of quit, but that's the love the father has for us. He loves us no matter what. If, if you're reading along with us in our Bible reading plan we're doing this winter and up to Easter, yesterday you read Psalm 51. 
In Psalm 51, David confesses his sin to God. Because if you remember what had happened is that David had been on the roof of his, of his palace. He looks across the roof. There's this lady taking a bath. He thinks she's pretty good looking. Her name's Bathsheba. He sends one of his servants over there. He says, hey, can you tell her to come over here? So she comes over there. So they have an adulterous relationship. They find out that she's pregnant. None of that was in David's plan. And he goes, well, I'm gonna cover it up. So her husband is off at war. He says, hey, husband, come home. So the husband comes home and says, I want you to go spend the night with your wife. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay with men, but with the men that are, that are at battle. I'm going to do that. And so, uh, and David goes, well, crud, I wanted to make it look like you'd gotten your wife pregnant. What am I going to do now? And so he calls one of his commanders and he makes arrangements. He says, Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, you know, when, there's a, there's, when the battle is really raging, I want you to have this rush forward toward the people that were fighting. And then I want you to have everybody draw back except for, Bathsheba's husband so that he'll be killed. And because then when he's killed, then I can marry his wife. Now, nobody in here has done anything like that. Nobody in here has had an adulterous affair that you involve people at a national level conspiracy to have someone murdered to cover up your sin. But yet, the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. We look at David as being one of the closest men to God in all the history of the world. And so if David can be loved by God, if he can be forgiven by God, so can you. I I, I don't care what you've done, who you did it with, where it happened, and who knows about it. No matter what's happened, no matter what the circumstances were, God will forgive you. And God loves you no matter what. Fourth thing is that God loves us perfectly. God loves us perfectly. This is 1 John chapter 4. Uh, It says, by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Not, it doesn't say that God is loving, although he is, but he is love. That's a whole other talk for another day. It says, whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. So when I say that God loves us perfectly, that means that God loves us completely. There's nothing missing. So when something is perfected, it's completed. And so he loves us completely. He loves us perfectly. And he says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And so if you struggle with anxiety and worry and fear, congratulations, everybody else does too. They, they, they might not admit it, but everybody gets nervous, see, right? Everybody. My whole life, as far back as I can remember, 
every time I sit down and take my blood pressure at the, at the drugstore and the little chair used to sit in, or I go to the doctor, my 110 over 70. On a bad day, 112 over 70. And in spite of all the Waffle House and McDonald's I eat, it's crazy, right? So the other day I had to go to the doctor because my, my shoulder is all goofed up. And so, you know, and I have no idea. I wasn't nervous or whatever, but I'm sitting there and they took my blood pressure. I, think, I still think the machine was broken. It says 152 over 110. Like, they were like, you're about to die. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Why? I said, take it again. <laughs> she said, you should t- think peaceful thoughts. I'm like, right now I'm not thinking peaceful thoughts. This is weird. And so uh, I, I have no idea, what, you know, what happened with that because, I mean, 10 minutes later it was, it was on. But look, everybody, everybody gets anxious. Everybody gets worried. But in those moments where you're thinking, man, things are spinning out of control, God, God loves you completely. And, and, and he's got you and you can rest in him. And, 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 and you'll find the peace that you're longing for. Now, now some of us, some of us are, are, are afraid of God and we're afraid of what he's holding over our heads. We're, we're afraid of, um, uh, of what he's going to do next. Um, but you know, he's, he, he's, he, he's not a genie in a bottle. He's not a rich uncle. Uh, he, he's not a butler. He's, he's God. He wants the best for you. And his best for you might not be what you think your best would be for you. Um, and, and some maybe think, well, he's, got, he's going to give me everything. Well, I think it would be cruel if God gave us everything we wanted. But there will never be a love that's better than God's love. God, God's love is perfect, and it, it, it can't be improved upon. See, when we think about love, we think about going on dates. We think about Valentines. We think about flowers. We think about holding hands. We think about rom-coms, listening to great music, uh, whatever. But, but his love deals with issues. His, his love is, is fierce and jealous and powerful. And, and it's not just some romantic thing, but it's an unconditional love that he has for us. And lastly, God loves us simply. And you know, this verse most likely, John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago because I think it's so simple and so powerful. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. That's what it says. Amen. It's not complicated. God loved us so much that God gave us his son. And when we believe on him, we receive it life for all eternity with him. Uh, and, you, and, and there are people who say, but, 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 but I, I can't explain that. Hey, I can't explain it either. <laughs> 32 years ago, Friday, Valentine's Day, I asked my short, hot wife, Lori. She was at that point my short, hot girlfriend. It was Valentine's Day. We'd gone out to a restaurant in Charlotte that was at the top of the tallest building in Charlotte. I know some of you are thinking that's three stories, but actually it's like 35. <laughs> a long time ago, right? Anyway, and she had on this red taffeta dress. Nobody wears red taffeta anymore, and can we all say, thank you, Jesus. But she looked amazing. I had on a suit. And we went to this really nice dinner and I came back and we were, at, um, we were home on break from college. And so I took her back to her parents' house and she sat in this big 
chair over by the fireplace. I was sitting on the couch. I said, I got you a little something for Valentine's Day. And she said, oh, really? What did you get me? And so I walked those four or five steps from the sofa over to where she was sitting. I got down on one knee, and I had this little speech all worked out in my mind. And I said, at the end of it, will you marry me? And she never, she said, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? I'm like, yes. (laughs) I have jewelry. I'm asking you the question. (laughs) She left the room and ran down the hall to wake her parents up and says, look, 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 look. She comes back in the room and she says, I said, so is that a yes? (laughs) Because she never told me. (laughs) And uh, she said, yes. And And that makes no sense to me. I I can't chart it. I can't explain it. I can't put it in a spreadsheet. I can't defend it. Why would she want to marry me? I have no idea. It makes no sense at all. I mean, she could have married a million other guys. But she said, I want to marry you. I, 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 I love you. And so we don't have to complicate love. And maybe we can't explain all of it. And maybe you can't explain that God loved you so much that he gave his son and you just have to believe and you can receive what God has for you. It's just not that complicated. See, of of, of all the ways you could describe yourself, the most accurate is that you can say that you are loved. That's who you are. So I'm from Georgia. I'm a mechanic. I'm an attorney. I used to be in the army. I'm a mom. The most accurate way that you can describe yourself is to say that you're loved. And if we could get a hold of that, get it from here to here, the fears that we wrestle with, they might not completely go away, but they'd be diminished. So when you bring those fears to the light, they lose their power. They lose their significance in our lives. And if you don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, you need a forever home with him. And he's already done all the work. He just says, hey, would you like to be with me forever? He loved you first. He loved you extravagantly. He loved you sacrificially. He loved you perfectly. He loved you simply. See, you you were created not to have a little L life, but a capital L living. That's what you were created for, to thrive, to have an abundant life, to enjoy life, not to be miserable and say, well, I'm just trying to survive. No, that's not what you were created for. So maybe you needed to hear this morning that God loves you because you had forgotten. Or maybe for the first time today, you need to receive what God has for you. And you need to put your trust in Him because He's already said, I love you. And so you reciprocate to Him for the first time this morning and say, I love you too.